0: So here is the big question. How do entrepreneurs like us who started sales or direct selling or network marketing, how did we start our journey but now feel stuck, feel like we're struggling or we can't level up to where we want to be, where we know we can be? How do we break through and prove everybody wrong, show ourselves that we are successful and show ourselves that we can win? That is the big question. And this is the podcast that will give you the answers. My name is Lisa Hawker, and this is Direct AF Sales. Welcome back to the show. I want to thank Tim Fitzpatrick from Rialto Marketing for joining us today. We've got a lot of great guests coming up, so be sure to subscribe And turn on your notifications. But today we're going to talk with Tim. I'm really excited. He has been so gracious in scheduling and rescheduling for me. So Tim is an entrepreneur. He um, has a company called Rialto Marketing, which serves businesses to simplify uh, marketing for people. And we all know that simplicity helps people grow because it reduces stress right? You can find his company at Rialto, R-I-A-L-T-O, marketing.com. And on that website, you're going to find a ton of value, including some incredible free resources that he's put on there to help any entrepreneur. And what I really loved about what I found on your website, Tim, is that you and I share a favorite quote. And that quote (laughs) is from Winnie the Pooh. And I have a sign on it for my sons um, from when they were little. And it's, you're braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. And I just love that you have that on there. How are you?
1: I am fantastic. Thanks so much for having me, Lisa.
0: Well, thanks for coming and thanks for being a, a, a part of the show. And I'm excited for my audience to hear some of your wisdom. I know that you started a business and you grew it and you scaled it and you sold it um and then after that you started down the path that you're on now so let's talk about you
1: sure what, what do you want to know <laughs> Where do you want me to start
0: <laughs> well i want you to start with let's talk about the business that you started and how you scaled it and grew yeah
1: so um I, I'd be lying if I said that was all me. When I graduated from college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was a math major in college. I was always good with numbers. And I felt like, gosh, you know, let's I'll just do math. Um, and because it's applicable in all kinds of different industries and, and businesses. So I'm gonna do that. So I was a math major, I got out. My dad had been an entrepreneur for a long time. He was a manufacturer's rep. In the consumer electronics space. So, you know, he was – for people that don't know what a manufacturer's rep is, the, he's a middleman. He he basically took orders from dealers and then sent them to the factory, and he made commission for calling on dealers and taking those orders. Well, he had – a couple of years before I started, he had started a distribution company um, because there was some shifts going on in the market. Some of the dealers really needed to be serviced through distribution rather than buying direct from the manufacturer. I, when I graduated, I knew he needed some help. He had no full-time employees in the company at that point. And I said, hey, look, I, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. Would you be okay? Let me, let me help you for, for the summer while I interview for jobs and figure out, you know, what I'm going to do with the rest of my life.
0: And now, what he said, year was this?
1: This was in 96.
0: Okay. So and where were you? Where did I, where'd you grow up?
1: I grew up in Northern California in the Bay Area. So in the East Bay, uh, if you're familiar with that, I grew up in Danville. I was born in Oakland, and uh, my parents moved to the East Bay in the late 70s. And, uh, man, it was a fantastic place to grow up. I loved it. That's how I got involved in the business. Uh, well, you know, of course, I ended up staying. After three months, I was like, uh, this is awesome. I freaking love this. I have found something that I'm passionate about. I'm le- I mean, I was learning so much. I learned more in six months doing that than four years ago. Excuse me, four years of college. It was just tons of on the job experience. And I said, Look, I would like to stay if you, you know, you know, if you'd be willing to have me do it. And he said, Absolutely. So, you know, my dad was busy, busy with his rep business. I managed the distribution company on a day-to-day basis. I was the first employee. By the time we sold it, we had somewhere in the neighborhood of 20, 25 employees. We had three locations. How did we grow that fast? We grew about 60% a year for 10 years, and then we sold it. We grew because we took a very value-added approach to our business. We helped our dealers. We knew if our dealers grew their business, ours would grow. So we took a we took a keen interest in what they were doing and how we could help them grow. We ended up getting involved with partnering with other distributors to form a national company made of, made up of smaller distributors. So we partnered with other distributors. So the relationship side of it, which all came from my dad's 30 plus years experience in the business, those relationships were key because as we partnered, we ended up bringing on a lot of very large manufacturers and lines that we were selling that really expanded our business significantly. And when we sold, we it wasn't just our company that they bought. They bought all 12 distributor partners and they bought the shell company. That was a learning experience as well. Uh, and,
0: and did you form the shell company?
1: No, I, no. well, we were, it was not my idea. One of the other distributors in the, one of the other markets thought of the concept and, and ended up bringing other distributors. Again, they were all manufacturers, reps that started distri- distribution companies because my dad had strong relationships. You know, when they were looking for people in Northern California, that's what happened. You know, they called him first, and, you yeah, know, that was that.
0: So but was, when you're building this business, you're talking about growing your network, your dad's relationships, relationships with who? With customers, with other reps, with, with manufacturers. relationships with other reps. Interesting. Yeah. And so, so he here's the other built- thing. you
1: can. Here's the other way you can also think about this. Not only did we as distributor uh, partners, you know, partner together, It was also a huge mastermind because while we were, um, we we all had our own respective territories. And even though we were partnered together, no one distributor could say to to another, hey, you need to start doing this in your market. So there was a fair amount of autonomy, but we were all fairly committed to the cause and, and what we were trying to build as a whole but man we there were some distributors that were two three times as large as other distributors because of the markets that they were in and so we we met uh, every quarter minimum it was always a huge learning experience talking about hey where what are you doing that's working what are you doing that's working where have we made mistakes so we all learn from each other's mistakes people that were further ahead in in the growth curve smaller distributors were able to learn from and and eliminate making some of the same mistakes. So there was a ton of benefits in doing that.
0: So correct me if I'm wrong, but these these other distributors, they're co- your competition in a lot of ways.
1: In this case, no, because they only sold, we, we, we did not cross over into any, other, we only sold in Northern California.
0: Okay. The Southern right.
1: California distributor only sold in Southern California. So there were twelve distributors, and each of those distributors combined, we had national distribution.
0: Okay, with right, no crossover.
1: So we were in similar businesses. We were in different markets, or geographic markets, I should say.
0: Right. The concept is the same, though. Was, yep. You're better together. You're stronger together. Right? Yes, if we you- were much
1: stronger together. Right. So we went to. We were able to go to you know large manufacturers. So uh, let's just take uh, Panasonic. Okay, If we had approached Panasonic by ourselves as a distributor in Northern California, at the time, the likelihood of them even talking to us was slim to none. When we approached them as a whole, they said, oh, my gosh, we would love to sell into this market. All these dealers are small. They're working out of commercial facilities, their homes. We can't call on them efficiently as a manufacturer. You guys have instant access. We, you have your facilities across the country. You, you can, you have facilities to train them on Panasonic. Why would we not want to do this? This is a great opportunity for us, right? They never would have talked to us individually as a whole. It was a totally different conversation.
0: Massive opportunity opened up because of a willingness to collaborate.
1: Yep. And being, you know, being open, it was really a, it was less than a handful of key things that drove our business. You know, on the flip side, I would say anybody that has experienced significant business growth for an extended period of time knows that even if you have some of the things we've been talking about, man, you got to have the back of your house in order and dialed in. Otherwise, you you will not be able to keep up and your business will suffer as a result. So there was a lot of work on the back end to keep things together, to plan for that growth. You know, I mean, we had to you know we had facilities i mean you know you're signing leases here and then all of a sudden you're like oh my gosh we grew 100% last year and uh, uh we're running out of space what the hell are we going to do right so there's all kinds of moving parts there that we had to manage and i learned a ton while i was doing it
0: what was the thing that you loved most about that experience
1: uh that it was dynamic it was never it was it was never static it was never boring and i was learning all the time, every day. And I felt, I enjoyed it so much. i had never felt like I worked for 10 years. I didn't feel like I worked. I was just going to have fun each day.
0: Right. I, I've heard that. I believe that when you love what you do, you know, it doesn't feel like work. It's it's an exciting adventure where every day is different and yeah. you thrive off of it. Um, yeah. I I can relate to that. I understand that. You sold this when? 2012?
1: No, we sold in 2005, okay. and then I had a three-year contract uh, with the company that bought us, so I worked for them for another three years. Um, and then in 2008, I, um, I actually stayed on with the company. So a lot of the partners, because I got involved, you know, my dad had been in the business, I was one of the youngest partners. That's another reason why I learned so much. I was working with people that had, you know, 20, 30-plus years' experience in the business. They were all mentors to me. So a lot of people left, I stayed on, and I moved from Northern California to Denver, where we had locations. In 2009, I got laid off. We all know what happened in 2008.
0: Yeah, the uh, shit hit the fan.
1: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yes, exactly, Uh, literally, right? Um, And the company that bought us was a public company, and they um trying to figure out how to manage the financials on a quarterly basis to make things look halfway where they needed to be and uh, in 2009, they closed 30% of the branch locations. So I got laid off and, you know, I, had, I didn't know anything different at that point. I was fortunate to be in a position where I was like, well, I'm not worried about how I'm gonna make my mortgage payment this month. That made the transition easier, but I was like, what, what am I gonna do? Uh, this, this is all I've done for my professional career. And so I- all Right, I mean,
0: here you are, you're, you're a young man, right? not to be crass but you cashed out you you made <laughs> you made your money um and you could have probably stopped working but it was your passion for what you did you had a 3 year contract with them you continued to stay on so you weren't suffering or hurting like worried about where your next couple of bucks were going to come from but you did find yourself in a situation like well now what do I do with myself i'm not ready to retire who am I? What am I interested in?
1: Yes, it's it's it was it was a who am I and who am I going to be moving forward from from a professional standpoint? You know, do I reinvent myself? Do I find ways to stay in this business? At the time I had, you know, I had always been interested in in real estate. And, you know, I said, look, why don't I get in real estate and learn learn real estate? And so I decided to get involved in real estate as a residential real estate agent. And uh, so this was, at uh, at the time, this was late 2009, early 2010. And a lot of people are going to go, dude, what were you doing? I'm Um, literally
0: thinking to myself, this is an interesting area to go into during the height of the, you know, um, foreclosures and the loan modification stuff and the houses going up. And I mean, talk about the shit hitting the fan that I Yes. Getting into real estate at this time is sort of an interesting um, first step toward rediscovery. So
1: I'll tell you what I what I did. Um, I think there's opportunity in any market, no matter what's happening, right? Today is no different than that time. At that time, as you already alluded to, there was a lot of foreclosures. So I started knocking on doors for houses that were in foreclosure, to try and help them avoid foreclosure by doing short sales, you know? So we were working with the bank to get them to agree to to sell the house for less than what it was worth. And so, you know, again, I was in a position where, man, I learned a ton because I did not know. I started from the ground up. I was putting myself outside my comfort zone every day, which continually expanded my comfort zone. So again, I just, I learned a ton. I learned a lot about the foreclosure process and, you know, and liens on properties and all these things for a while. It was fun because it was new and exciting, but I reached a point two, two and a half years in where I was like, man, I, I'm not enjoying this as much as I used to. And I'm getting to the point where like, I'm not excited when I get up each day, why own a business if you're not going to be excited about it? And I said, man, I need to, I need to shift gears. You know, I'm working hard getting the short sale business. It's, it's a ton of work. I'm not enjoying this. Why, why keep doing this? And so was
0: it, was, was one of the parts that was unenjoyable, sort of the, um, emotional toll it might've taken in dealing with some of these homeowners or was it the runaround from the banks or like, what was your experience? In that
1: you know, it was, it was a little bit of everything. There was some emotional toll because, man, I talked to some people that were just going through really hard times. And despite what some people might have immediately, you know, the conclusion some people might have jumped to, these people were just like you and I. I mean, I and I can't even remember what the statistic is, but there's a large percentage of the U.S. population that cannot survive a month or two without a paycheck. These people were in the same boat, you know, they lost their job or they got sick and they had huge unexpected medical expenses that just sunk them. And, you know, so it was really in a lot of cases, it wasn't necessarily, you know, their fault directly. Um, It was the situation that they were put in and they found themselves here and they had to figure out how to get out of it. That was tough. It was tough dealing with the banks because sometimes they just weren't rational. They, they did not have realistic expectations. And, you know, you're like, my gosh, you'd rather send this house to foreclosure than accept this. I I don't know what else to do. Right. And so that's frustrating. Right. Because by the time you get to that point, you've already worked a ton. And when you hit that point and it goes, it, I mean, it's gone there. You just, you lost all that time and you didn't make any money for it. And, and you
0: didn't help the homeowner. And no, really, you didn't help the homeowner. Really you know, back.
1: they're frustrated, you know, and so that was challenging. The other thing, too, for me, that was a, a big difference from where I was in distribution and in real estate was in distribution. I was in business to business in real estate. I was business to consumer. I went from being in an industry where like when I went to go talk to somebody that I'd never even met before. And they asked what I did, they'd go, Oh, wow, that's cool. Tell me, tell me more about that. When you're a real estate agent, they're like, Oh, <laughs> oh, you're an are you gonna try to sell me right now? You know, and I had a, I have a hard time shutting things off. When you're a real estate agent, like you're looking around, like, does anybody at this house at this party need to sell a house, right? And so I just I had a really hard time shutting that off. And I was like, I gotta do something different. And so I took a step back again. Thought about where my skill sets were, what I really enjoyed doing, what I loved about being in distribution, and frankly, what I did not enjoy about real estate. And that's when I got involved in in marketing, which is what I'm doing today.
0: And tell us about how you got involved in marketing and what yeah. it meant to you. So how did you get, what door opened?
1: I When I have first started Rialto Marketing, we were actually focused on selling mobile applications. Um, and we were selling mobile apps at the time. This was 2013. Were really hot, and I s- started Rialto, and we were actually selling uh, mobile applications into the K-12 education space. So we were selling them to schools. You know, at the time, you know, you try to go to a school website to get some information on your phone. It was a disaster. None of them were mobile friendly. You're pinching. You're expanding. You're trying to find it. It was. It was just. It was a nightmare. It was so, the
0: dark ages.
1: Yes. So, you know, the schools were using the mobile apps as a tool to communicate with their with their community and make it easy for parents to get the information that they needed quickly. Two and a half years into that, Apple changed some of their publishing guidelines, which significantly impacted people like me. I was using an app-building platform, so very similar to uh, – like a Wix or a Squarespace, you know, website building platform. I was using an app building platform, very similar to that. And Apple updated their guidelines and said, we're not going to approve these. So all these app building platforms overnight could not publish apps to Apple. Now they have since they worked through that, but it was two to three month process Um, So for two to three months, all these app resellers that were working with these building platforms could not publish apps on Apple. And immediately when this happened, I was like, this is a horrible position to be in. My business is heavily tied to the whims of Apple and Google, and they don't care about me. Um, So I I need to pivot or shift again into something different where I have more diversity in in customers in revenue um in my offerings and so that's when i shifted into now what we're doing is we work primarily with service-based businesses coaches consultants professional service people um you know people that are selling expertise we help them simplify marketing by focusing on the fundamentals getting those fundamentals in place and then just helping them create and implement a plan to communicate the right message to the right people.
0: Tell me how sales, so you have been involved in sales your entire life and you're selling right now, you have a marketing company that, and the service that you're selling is to simplify marketing for consultants, coaches, yeah. et cetera. Right. Okay. So you're not selling like a, a, a product, right?
1: Correct. An app.
0: You're selling knowledge, your knowledge, your services. But marketing is different than sales. Yes, You can be really great at sales. You can be a phenomenal salesperson, right? Know all the steps, know the dance, the whole thing. Marketing on the other hand is totally different than sales. Can you explore that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so here's the way I look at it. Marketing helps people become aware of you, right? Marketing is all about finding people that have a need or a problem you can solve and getting them to know, like, and trust you. When the need or the problem that you can solve is great enough, if that person knows, likes, and trusts you, and they raise their hand, they're going to think of you first. Okay?
0: So the marketing is the building of the relationship so that you can make the sale.
1: Yeah. Marketing is about generating the awareness and the lead Sales is how you make money, in my opinion, right? And the sales conversation becomes much, much easier if your marketing is working and there's a seamless transition from marketing to sales. Because if there's a seamless transition and your marketing has already gotten that person to know, like, and trust you, they're already. That's already a warm sales conversation. They're already pre-sold. They've already raised their hand because they know the exact problem you can solve and how you can help them. And so the sales conversation is then just picking up where marketing is left off. And as long as you don't totally botch it, <laughs> um, you know your conversion should be relatively high. A lot of companies drop the ball. Is there's gaps between sales and marketing and there's a lack of communication and seamlessness between the two right like i've always people talk about you know sales or marketing i man they're like they're like brother and sister you know they are intertwined you you're going to struggle to sell stuff if you don't have good marketing frankly
0: it, i let guess let me stop you for one, sorry yeah no go let me ahead stop you for one second because i've got a bunch of questions so <laughs> you know, so companies you said, often have gaps between sales and marketing. What kind of gaps? What do you see as the big gaps?
1: Uh, One of the biggest ones I see is the lack of consistency between the message that is being communicated from marketing and the message that's being communicated from sales.
0: Can you give me an example?
1: Okay, so that message needs to be the same. Okay? If my marketing when you're messaging when you, whatever messaging you use to sell your products and services in my opinion needs to be consistent from marketing to sales to customer service people need to hear the same damn thing across your entire company otherwise right if i see a marketing message that says you know whatever like our our core message is that you know marketing shouldn't be difficult all you need is the right plan if i'm if i'm saying that to people And then I jump in and have a sales conversation with them, right? They've raised their hand. They say, gosh, you know, I really could use, I'm having a hard time. I don't know what the next right step is. I need a plan. I'm like throwing spaghetti up against a wall, hoping stuff's going to stick. I need a plan. And I jump on a call with them and I start talking about how we can help them with SEO. There's a disconnect there. They're like, wait a minute. I thought you, I thought you sold plans. Why are you talking to me about SEO? Right there's a gap. That's a, I mean, that's a pretty stark contrast as an example. But it, that happens all the time, where marketing's talking about one thing and then they come into the sales process and they start hearing something different. And when they're hearing something different, there's that lack of consistency. Right? It's confusing. And what happens when people are confused? Do they, they buy? Don't
0: this engine, no, no yeah. <laughs> they don't buy. Uh,
1: so we've we've got to have that consistent message so that we don't confuse people. First off, and then it's just when they hear the same thing when they're handed off from one to the next, and there's consistency there, their comfort level is high, right? They're like, gosh, you know, th- this is consistent, right? Like, why do we go to McDonald's? Because we know that we're going to get the same. Darn Big Mac every time it's consistent that's what they need in that process i think so i think the biggest gap is the messaging and that handoff from sales to marketing i also think though too the biggest gap is is the lack of communication between sales and marketing right so you know it's like oh gosh you know I'm in the sales department. It's like, oh my God, these leads suck. They're mm-hmm. like, they're totally unqualified. They're not a good fit. Well, if you want any of that to change, you need to go talk to marketing and go like, hey, the leads we're bringing in, they're not right. Here's why they're not right. We may need to make some shifts, right? Because if the leads that are coming in aren't a good fit, then there's a there's a marketing issue, Right. But if the leads that are coming in are the right fit and they're not converting, well, that could be a sales issue. We all need to be on the same page and help each other so that we all get to the same goal that we're trying to get to.
0: Let's shift to where you are, let's say, a consultant um, or a coach and or you're in network marketing, right? Or direct selling. And you are the marketing department and the sales department. Yes. So unless you've got a couple personalities going on.
1: (laughs) Yes, so, in that case, right, it's, I mean, theoretically, it should be easier because it's you or maybe you and a few other people, right? There's not as many, there's not as many, uh, hubs in the wheel there, right? But you still have to have your pro, you have to have a process, right? A lot of people, I think, on the sales side, especially, uh, same thing on marketing, right? We, you got to have a process if you want to get consistent results. You know, if if I'm handling marketing and then somebody's coming in on sales, right, and I have this process on the marketing side, you know, where, uh, hey, they're going to go through these steps to, you know, to lead them to that point where they're ready to have a sales conversation, right? Whether I'm, I'm selling my expertise or whether I'm selling products as a direct marketer, I still need to lead people down a set path. To that point where they're ready to say, Hey, I'm, you know, I'd like to have the conversation about, you know, buying some of this stuff or having you work with us. Some people have that process, but then when, when they're ready to have the sales conversation, they they wing it, you know? And it's like, you can't wing it. You got to have a process that you take people through if you want to see consistent conversions.
0: So by process, do you also, does that also mean to use system?
1: Yeah system, you know, process. So like, for example, okay, let's say as a, as a coach or consultant, if a a lot of coaches and consultants start with like a a strategy session or a free consult or a discovery call, well, once somebody books a discovery call, like, do you have a process of how you follow up with them prior to the call? Like you follow up with them once, twice, three times, what do you say? Right. Do you there needs to be some consistency there once you get them on the phone or on a Zoom call or face to face, whatever it is. What do you do in that call? Do you just like start talking or like what are you going to ask them a set list of questions? What path are you going to lead them down? If you're winging it, it's going to be really tough to get consistent results. If you have a process or a system, even if it's not the best one, you start with something. And as you get experience, you continually refine it and it gets better and better and better. That's what I mean about a system or process.
0: And you need a system or process for both the marketing and the sales.
1: Yes. Right. So, you know, like, look, this is a this is a high level example on the direct selling side right because i think most of us have exposure to things where on the direct selling side they you know that that initial marketing is you know having a you know a party right and have you get you, you have people come over and you meet and you hang out and then you talk about rodan and fields or whatever it is right that's a process right and that's a process where you have marketing at work but then you have selling integrated into that, depending on what happens in the process. Right. 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 You know, if people raise their hand and say, yes, I'm interested, well, then what are, what do you do?
0: What are the next steps?
1: Yeah. Right. What are the next steps? Right. And, you know, depending on what you're selling, I think it's, that's going to determine how you end up handling it. Right. Um, because, Maybe you have multiple products that solve multiple issues. So you first need to hone in on, you know, hey, why are you interested? Like, where, what do? You, how do you think this can help you? And they say, well, you know, whatever. I've got, I don't know. I have dry skin. I live in I live in Colorado, and gosh, this mountain air is so freaking dry. My skin is dry. Uh, I'm a pale white Irish guy, and I need something to <laughs> you know to darken my skin so I don't look like it came out of Twilight, right? Um, you know, so how you handle that, you, you just need to figure out what makes the most sense for what you're selling and what type of process is going to work for you. But you have to have some type of system that you're going to follow.
0: You know, so network marketing often has a bad rap, right? There's a lot of negativity surrounding it because there's a lot of misinformation around it. So what kind of marketing strategies would you suggest to my audience? Um, There's a lot of network marketers and direct sellers and social sellers in here. There's a distinction between each, each one of those things that I just mentioned, but, you know, with the crazy COVID situation, um, (laughs) there haven't really been a lot of parties. Yeah. You can't do it. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and social media now is the predominant way that you've been able and zoom, you know, you've been able to have virtual events and stuff on zoom, but, but all network marketers, whether they're with the company that I'm with or whether they're selling, you know, CBD or leggings, athletic wear, whatever it is that you're selling. Um, the principles are the same.
1: First, I think you need to understand who your ideal clients are. If you don't understand who your ideal clients are, then you're just like you're winging it, right? You're—it's like the shotgun approach. You're putting all kinds of bullets out there, hoping you're going to hit something. And inevitably, you might hit something, but they typically it's not going to be the best fit for you. You need to understand who the ideal clients are for the products you're selling. Um, and frankly, the ideal clients that you that you enjoy working with, right? I mean, and you have to understand who they are as people, right? There's like one of the I think one of the biggest roadblocks from a from a you know a direct selling standpoint that comes to mind for me is just experience that I've that I've seen my my wife have in particular, right? Where like you know somebody's selling something and they're an acquaintance of my wife and you know the only time my wife hears from them is when they want to have a party and sell them something right and some people respond to that they're like whatever i don't care i want to go well my wife's like dude this these people don't care about me they're just trying they just look at me as a number for somebody that might buy i don't know i think taking a different approach to really understand people um and how they work and what they appreciate and what they don't is going to change that, right? That's what—that's why network marketing has a bad rap because there's too many people that do that. And, you know, they're bringing people in. It's like, hey, I bring people in to sell and they're in my downline and blah, blah, blah. Most of those people fail. They don't do anything. Look, marketing is no different. There's tons of marketers that I, there's plenty of marketers that give the rest of us a bad name because <laughs> they overpromise. They underdeliver, you know, they make false claims about, oh, you, we can do this. And then somebody starts working and it's like, oh my God, what, this isn't true. Right. So, you know, as a marketer, I'm in the same boat a lot of the times as people that are in direct selling, you're over, you're having to overcome, you know, some of other people's actions and, and mistakes. You also have to go into it knowing like, hey, what, who am I as a person? How do I operate and respond? It's like, you can be hugely successful selling anything, just being yourself. You don't have to be somebody else, right? That happened in real estate all the time. Oh, you need to you need to take people through this, this sales process, or you need to do this. And most of the time, I was like, gosh, this isn't me. And I felt like I had to do it because somebody was telling me to do it. I, I don't believe that anymore. I think you can... You can be you and be successful. So figure out how you can be you, understand your target market, because if you don't understand them, you're never going to sell them effectively. Once you understand your target market better than they understand themselves as it relates to what you sell, then you can start to create messaging that is going to grab their attention and their interest. And that's how you can then start to continue to build that relationship, get them to know, like, and trust you so that when they are ready to buy, they think of you.
0: What kind of messaging grabs people's attention? Is it messaging that, you know, is it messaging, like addressing a specific problem that they have? Yes. So
1: it's messaging that focuses on them, not you. Our customers don't care about us, right? A lot of people default to talking about how great their product is, you know, why people should work with them. The customer doesn't care. The customer only cares about how you can help them get from where they are to where they want to go, which means you need to talk about a problem that they have and and don't want or a result they want and don't have, those two things, you have to focus your message on one of those two things or
0: both. So I'm going to get some free advice here. Yeah. Okay? Here, here's here's what I encounter and here's what everyone in network marketing and direct selling encounters. So let's go back to a statement that you made earlier where you talked about that the fact, and I don't have the numbers, but the fact is the majority of Americans, the majority of people living in this country cannot survive a missed paycheck. Yeah. They, most people live paycheck to paycheck. If a tragedy or a crisis or a layoff or a firing happens, they're going to run out of money. They don't have a savings account. They don't have a plan B. They don't have multiple streams of income. And I have been watching this. I've been in network marketing for four and a half years, and I see that people need and want a second stream of income. Yeah, Their fear prohibits them okay they think oh my god i could never do what she does or i don't want to be that person or i don't want to sell to my friends or i don't want to have parties and so i see so many people who are rejecting something that is really frankly a gift yeah um and i think network marketing and direct selling is an absolute godsend and a gift so the problem i want to solve is helping people have more financial freedom and financial safety.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that, so you have, you have two different messages, right? You have a message to the end consumer who's buying the product or services, right? But then you also have a different message to people that you want to bring in who are going to sell for the network marketing company under your umbrella. Right. Right. Those two distinct groups have two totally different problems, right? The person that's looking to buy Rodan and Fields products, they're looking for you know creams and moisturizers. I don't, I don't know all the stuff, right? So forgive me if I'm, I'm, good. I'm botching it. But um, and then you have the people who want to come in and sell it. They don't really care about that. They're not selling Rodan and Fields or whatever it is they have that specific problem, they're selling it because they have a different problem. They either don't have enough money or they're looking to do something different. Um, they want a second stream of income. Maybe they, they're attracted to the freedom of kind of having your own business within a business, right? That's what you need to hone on for them is what's that problem that they're really looking to solve. And then once you grab their attention and their interest, you talked about a lot of objections that they have, right? And you have to have ways to overcome those objections and show them. You know, it's like, hey, I get it. You don't want to have parties. I didn't. I didn't either. That's why I don't. Here's how I do it, <laughs> right? So you can do this. You know, so
0: oh, you would just have to have question. ways to show
1: them that oh, yeah the objections they have aren't aren't valid. There are ways In to overcome. Head-
0: in my head, overcoming objections is part of the sales process. It is. Okay. So, but how do we message that? How do we talk about, it? because every single, there's only a few objections. They're all the same, right? Yeah. You know, there's only a, there's a limited number of objections. And I, 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 I know how to overcome them in yeah. the sales process. So I guess my question is, how would you suggest addressing, because all the objections come down to one thing and that's fear. Yeah. All fear based. Yeah. So, how do you address that in your marketing?
1: So, let me give you an example. Let's say you were going to do a workshop to try and recruit people. If you determine that the biggest result they want and don't have is financial freedom, and one of the biggest objections they have to direct marketing is that they just feel like they're going to feel sleazy, right? Selling. Your, your workshop could be, you know, how to use, how to use direct sales to create financial independence and not feel sleazy doing it.
0: So you're addressing the, you're addressing the particular objection within the marketing.
1: Within the marketing, you're addressing the problem. You you may be addressing the problem they have or the result that they're looking for in your marketing. You can, so you can overcome some of those objections in the marketing process so that they don't come up in the sales process. Or sometimes depending on how they found out about you, they may still have some of those objections and you're gonna to have to overcome them in the sales process. But your marketing needs to focus, Every all of our marketing needs to focus on the customer, the problem they have and don't want or the result they want and don't have. That's what we need to focus on because that's what's gonna grab their attention and their interest. And once we have that, then we can continue the conversation, right? So in your marketing, once they've come in and raised their hand and said, yeah, you grabbed my attention, I'm interested, then some of your other marketing materials might start to touch on some of these objections. You may be interested in network marketing, but one of the roadblocks you have might be that I'm going to, I don't want to hold parties or I'm going to feel sleazy doing this. Here's why you don't have to have that fear. Here's why you can let go of that fear. Boom, boom, boom. Right. So it, there's some, and that can be, you know, educational material that you're putting out. It could be workshops, could be videos, blog posts, you know, podcast, whatever, but you're not going to have that opportunity until you can first grab their attention and their interest. And the only way you're going to do that is by focusing on those problems or those results. Does that make sense?
0: It makes total sense. Yeah, you're, it's it's brilliant. It's great.
1: I, well, I, I, I didn't that. come up with it, but <laughs> there's not much new on in on the in marketing. Uh, frankly, there's not much new in sales. Right? We're all talking about the same things. These are just fundamental elements that are so easy to skip and overlook because they're not they're not cool. They're not sexy. It's not as cool as talking about how you posted a video on TikTok or wherever it is. They lay the foundation for you to do everything else. So when you skip them, it's like building a house without a foundation. You know, you're putting up all these walls and they're kind of, they're connected, but man, they don't have foundation. The minute you hit a rough patch or the minute water starts coming underneath where you put those walls and there's no foundation... All of a sudden the house just comes crumbling down and then you have to go back and put that foundation in place and rebuild the house. Why not just put the foundation in, in the first place, save yourself time, save yourself money, and then jump into getting more tactical and taking action
0: if people want to learn what you mean by foundation, because you know, this stuff is not taught. And a lot of times, you know, people don't even know that there is a difference between sales and marketing and what kind of foundation or how they determine, you know, I can just hear some of the people on my team going, (laughs) we sell anti-aging skincare. My (laughs) ideal customer is anyone with skin, right? I mean, at at a very base level, that's true, because we have products you know, for everyone from teens into the octogenarians, but yeah. that's not what you're talking about. Correct. That is way too broad. It's like finding your ideal customer avatar. I mean, that was scary as shit for me when I started Direct AF, yeah. which is, has nothing to do with the Rodan and Fields stuff that I do. I was like, I don't know. I don't even know what you're talking about. And I don't want to do this exercise, but I did it. And it's made all the difference in the world. So, you know, if my listeners want to get in touch with you, how do they do that?
1: The best place to go is our website, which is RialtoMarketing.com, R-I-A-L-T-O-Marketing.com. If they go to RialtoMarketing.com forward slash direct dash AF. There's some free resources on that page about some of the fundamentals we started to talk about today, target market, messaging, how how to create a marketing plan to get that message in front of those people. So if they go to that page, there's free stuff there. If they start looking at this and they're like, oh, my God, my head's spinning. I don't know what that next right step is for me. Just click to get a free consult button. It's on that page. It's on our homepage. It's all over the place and I'd be happy to talk to you and learn more about your specific situation and give you some guidance on what those next steps should be.
0: That's fantastic. Thank you, I appreciate that. And I'm sure that the audience does as well.
1: Thanks for having me. It's been, uh, it's been a pleasure uh, digging into this.
0: Absolutely. For more information on the Direct AF Sales book or custom DICE course or workbook, Go on over to directafsales.com. There's going to be a discount code for all the listeners there. It's code directaf20 and grab yours today. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please leave me a review. Make sure you subscribe and even better, share it with a friend so that we can share our message and our content and help as many people as we can. Thanks, guys.